Do you have your beverage? Um, I have a beverage. It's okay. not my preferred beverage of choice, but you know that's probably for good. It's <laughs> it's only one o'clock here, so. Oh, that's true. It's two here, so it's a lot better. Oh yeah, that's 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 basically happy hour already. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. I can so. go get a shot if it makes everybody feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it would make you feel better if you got a shot. Oh, it'd make you feel better too. I am more sober than Randy right now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and when can I not say those words? Really, I mean, <laughs> I, I tend to get up sober. <laughs> <laughs> wow, people can change. <laughs> um. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Kristen Lennox is a working class actress. That says a lot. It's one of the highest compliments I can pay because, in fact, she has been acting professionally her entire adult life. Starting on the stage, Kristen quickly became adept at acting both on camera and on the mic shortly after college. And she has been hustling ever since. She lives in the middle of the country and therefore dispelling the myth that you have to live in L.A. or New York to be able to make a good living at this, Kristen can be heard regularly in commercials, games, corporate narrations, e-learning, just about anything that needs a voice. We've talked to many voice actors who have reached a level of success by moving to one of the two coasts. Today, we're going to dig a little deeper into what it takes to reach success right where you live. So... Let's talk voiceover, Kristen Lennox. Okay. Kristen, <laughs> yay. We actually yay. we actually talked about this a long time ago, and uh, it's good to have you on. It's good to be on. Yeah. And this feels like old home day because you guys used to live right where I live. Well, not in my house, but you know, same city. <laughs> yeah, we, we all kind of shacked up together. It was, <laughs> it was the carefree 60s, you know? Was, what do you it want? It was Three's it was, Company. Uh, <laughs> Of uh, a voiceover. It was the it was the reverse threes company. Exactly. And Artie Widgery played Mr. Roper. So <laughs> you're gonna work him in this somehow. I, you know, Artie's gonna end up in this episode somehow, some way. So. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. In fact, we ha- we have such a long history together. Um, Kristen and I were faux married. We were. And for those who don't understand the whole concept of faux married, what it really is, is you know how they have the girl and guy spots and the, the woman is always the intelligent one and the, <laughs> and the man is always the doof? Well, yeah. Um, believe it or not, I was really good at playing the doof. <laughs> okay. Maybe it wasn't really acting, but... Um, <laughs> Kristen and I did, oh man, we did we did a ton of commercials that way, both um, on the mic and on camera stuff. Yeah. We did a lot of on camera stuff did, together too. We did so many spots that I actually put together a dialogue demo and I realized it was all you and me. <laughs> <laughs> I want that demo. I want I was, that demo. I do. I was trying to find it the other day. I will dig it up and I will send it to you. But it's oh. like, oh look, here's one and oh. That's Brian. Oh, and that's Brian. Oh, this yeah. spot would be great. Wait, that's Brian too. Oh well. <laughs> right, you're <laughs> you're on my it. demo. You're on my demo. <laughs> Absolutely, it's that back and forth dialogue stuff that that yeah. just works so well. And you know, and you do. You find that magic with somebody that it's just 
oh man, it's fabulous when it happens. It's so much mm. fun because it's just so natural. It's so comfortable. And it was so fun showing up to a, a session and seeing you there and going, oh, yay, it's my full yay. husband. <laughs> We're going to have fun. You know, one of the things, as you both probably know, I started off doing music. And the voiceover thing was cash. And you two were two of the very first voice actors I ever worked with separately. But um, I just remember the first time that I think you walked over to my studio at that time, Kristen, but I don't remember for sure. And you just kind of walked in. You were totally casual. You had like on sweats and... (laughs) and (laughs) and Usually. And I don't remember what the session was. It was just like, boom, done. Um, Well, this... This went well. Um, <laughs> if you're an invoice, uh, talk to you later. And but it's okay, just that's yeah. kind of the way that everything that you've ever done, that at least that I've worked with you on, has kind of been. It's just like you just kind of get it ahead of time, and it doesn't matter whether it's a game, it doesn't matter whether it's a commercial, whatever it is. You just kind of plan your stuff and do it. And that's that's a skill. There are a lot of really talented actors out there that you got to work with. They're either stuck in one genre or there's this thing that they do. And so long as you keep them in there, they're good. You get them outside of that and they're not. And you're one of those rare people that kind of can cross into whatever it takes. Oh, you need an audiobook? Okay, I can do that. Oh, you need me to be a robot? All right, fine. I can do that. Oh, thanks. So where do you think that comes from? Oh... Well, it's it's got to be rooted in my acting background. I mean, voiceover people come from either theater or radio, and yeah. they're really two different beasts, as you would. And I think I've always approached it as an actor, and it's just I have to make this real. I've got to figure out why I'm saying this, who I'm saying it to, you know, just superficially. And that lets me just meld from one thing to the other, as opposed to I have to sound a certain way and I'm going to sound like this. So it's basically that. Mm -hmm. That's a great approach. I mean, it it gives you that very natural and real feel and does allow you to truly use your acting chops to become whoever you need to be at that moment, Right, which is one of the things that voiceover people usually struggle with and you always hear that stop sounding so announcery stop sounding so whatever right and and when you're in the moment it's it's so mm-hmm. easy just to do that and knock it out well and it's not like i'm playing a character selling toilet paper or anything like that but it's just having that element of i'm a real person saying real words and um, using real toilet paper using real and i'm really <laughs> excited about this toilet paper and that's okay so yeah as opposed to i really need this to sound a certain way i'm just i really need to get this idea across right yeah and approach it that way did you ever consider moving out to la or new york no no i am not a big city girl at all i mean at one point i did maybe right after college mm-hmm. you know that's kind of what you did you graduated with a theater degree and then you you went back to your hometown and you saved up so you could move to New York or L.A. or Chicago. Yep. And um, I ended up staying here. I met my husband very soon after I moved back and toyed with going to Chicago for a, a year or so and then just thought, I like it here. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. it. And it's a ni- Indy is a very nice sized town. It's not it's uh, just a nice medium sized town. And it's very near a lot of um, professional theater, which was my focus back then. And so not really. I know there are certain genres that you really do have to be like in L.A., but I've been able to do just fine without them. And 
it's not been a something I felt the need to do. So what is what is the secret to that? The secret to not feeling Being, the need to go there? <laughs> no, not well. <laughs> yeah, go visit for a while. That should pretty much knock it Probably, out. Probably, yeah. But um no, what's the secret to being able to make a good living as a voiceover person, you know, without having to be in one of those big city locations? No. Oh, well, it's it's not a secret. It's and it's not glamorous and it's not instantaneous. It's just doing the work and building the connections. Um Yep. I just sort of fell into voiceover after I came back here and probably mm, early to mid 90s, I just sort of looked at my calendar and thought, huh, I'm doing a few jobs a month. That's pretty good. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I was getting some repeat business. I was the voice of H.H. Gregg, which is an electronic store. And God rest its soul. Yeah, God rest its soul. <laughs> uh, and so I was doing some good stuff, but it was... It was just a side hustle. You know, sure. theater was my focus. And I always had a side job as well at that point because it was not enough to sustain me. Mm-hmm. And then probably around mid-2000s, I was up to maybe three to five jobs a month. And I thought, okay, now I'm either at a really good side hustle or a really crappy full-time income. <laughs> so I need to decide what I want to do with this. And uh, I decided I wanted to see what would happen if I really focused on it. So actually, Randy, you were the impetus for me to buy my first microphone because <laughs> I was tired of schlepping all the way out to your place for auditions. I kind of tell you, uh, I, I, that, that made a lot of people do it because I just kept moving farther <laughs> and farther away from people. Now I don't even live in the country. So, you know. <laughs> See? So schlepping out to his place these days for an audition is hell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that'd take forever. So uh, so I bought a microphone and I, I pulled all the cleaning supplies out of this really tiny cleaning closet and I hung a quilt. <laughs> I am serious. Perfect. It was it was two, two by two by five. Oh gosh! And I would. It was. What I did you do with the extra space? I couldn't even stand up straight when I was in it. I had to sort of like bend my knees when I was at the microphone. Wow! And um, but it worked. I mean, and all I really wanted to do was just be able to send out auditions, and so I did that. And mid two thousands was kind of also the beginning of the online casting revolution. Yep. And I decided, okay, let's roll with the punches. And I joined a couple of casting sites. And that's really how it began because suddenly I wasn't limited to local voiceover, local and maybe possibly regional. I was having access to auditions in New York and LA and Florida and Europe. I mean, it it really opened up the possibility for me to work with production companies and ad agencies that I would never have access to. Sure. How did you make that work? Because for a lot of people, I think they, they would hear that and they, th- and they think online casting, they're like, this has been the biggest crock of crap for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's pay to play. I don't make any money on it or I, mm-hmm. I audition the crap. I mean, everybody's got their own stories, but it worked for you. Why? What was it? It worked for me because it was the, be- it was mid 2000s and it was the beginning and the Casting sites were not as saturated mm. as they are now, mm-hmm. I believe. Would I advise someone to do that now? I don't know. It's it's the Wild West out there. It is. Yeah, it um, is. I'm, I'm not on any of the casting sites anymore. But I did build up a lot of connections through mm-hmm. that. So it was good for me back then. 
Would I advise it now? I don't know. I'm not part of that now. So I think you would really have to hustle to wade through all the horrible jobs that come through there and find the right ones and make the right connections. But it worked for me because it was a different time. Are you finding that you're still basically trucking mostly on your connections that you made at those times? Or is there something else that happened along the way that that you had to say, okay, well, I got to take this. Now I need to take this other left turn because this is what's going on. Well, that was the beginning. And absolutely, I'm resting sort of on my connections because I really don't do much marketing at all. I started there and then and then I moved out of my cleaning closet. Finally, I built a booth (laughs) so I didn't have to (laughs) bend my knees to record anymore. I know. So I upped my game and then I felt okay contacting other agencies around the country. So I added some agencies under my belt. So now I've got auditions coming in from them. I've got auditions coming in from the the rosters that I'm on, the production companies. And I've got repeat business coming Mm -hmm. in from those people as well. So at that point, that's all I really felt like I needed to do. I I had reached the point where I was Mm self-sustaining. So- when you had a bunch of different agencies, were you finding that you were getting the same auditions from them? And do you still have a bunch of agencies? And do you get different auditions from different agents around different parts of the country? Um, I, I do. I have weeded the, the herd a little bit. I only have the ones that I'm getting the most success with. Sure. Um, but the large auditions that, you know, make the rounds everywhere, I would get those from two or three different agents. Yeah. But most of the time, especially the smaller boutique agencies, they've got smaller local and regional spots that nobody else has and, and accounts that other agencies don't have. So sometimes the smaller agencies are better to seek out rather than I need to have an L.A. agent or mm-hmm. a New York agent because you're just going to be one of thousands yeah. auditioning for stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly what ends up happening. There's a whole bunch of hidden gems. There's one agent in particular that I can think of who hooked into some incredible things that you would never think of, like a Florida beach advertising network. Oh, wow. How would you find that any other way? Right. But (laughs) this particular agent would vacation down there frequently and then ended up making a connection down there. And every so often I'll get a call and it's not even an audition. It's just hey, they want you to do a spot for X, Y, or Z. And it's like, well, that's really cool. I would have never been able to find that kind of stuff, right? But you're right. It's the small boutiques. Absolutely. Everyone thinks they need to be on a big major roster. And honestly, that's not where the majority of the work comes from, Mm -mm. unless you're physically there and can physically be present. I think that's another real key part of it is you built a career based on relationships. Exactly. Yeah, I I call it pans in the fire. It's just having a lot of different companies that call on you at different times. Mm -hmm. So I'm on several e-learning rosters and a lot of corporate people call me for corporate narration, but they don't all call at the same time. Right. So when I've got one pan in the fire doing a big e-learning project, maybe I won't hear from other people or I may have a couple of commercial spots come in. Mm -hmm. If you have enough pans in your fire, when one is pulled out, 
there are still others in there that are going to keep handing you work. And it's, that's how you build a self-sustaining business. Mm -hmm. And see, my problem has been pants in the fire. That's the, <laughs> Oh, uh, that's not a good <laughs> idea. No, no, it has not worked out well. So I, I'm, I'm shifting gears. So, <laughs> uh, so, wow. You know, some days are funnier than others. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize right now. I just... Did I say Artie Widgery? Artie Widgery. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, it's funny because when I was looking back on pulling information together for this, I realized that you and I worked together on a very early video game for both of us that Randy directed. And that was Cabela's Big Game Hunter. <laughs> Long about 2000, 2000, I think it came out in 2002 was the version that we were listed on. But uh -huh. I think. I think we actually did something even before that. So. Probably, because I did several of those. Probably in the old Deer Hunter games. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, so. I totally remember that game, and I was a bird hunter. Oh, that's and right. I, I remember, remember that now. When she said that. I and I was a bird. That's the really <laughs> weird part about the story. Well, and I can't remember if th if this was an actual line in the script, or if you just made me say this, Randy, and you're probably going to have to edit this out, but <laughs> one of my lines was, nice cock. <laughs> oh, I think that actually, I think that actually was a real line. I, th I, I swear to God, too. I think it was a real line. That's when a writer doesn't truly understand what they've written. No. Oh my! Oh, by the way, <laughs> wow. speaking of which, I had to tweet this out a couple of days ago. So we're watching the Cubs, and they're playing in Arizona, and this is yeah. some kind of a drunk driving campaign. It is four words: drive hammered, get nailed. And I'm looking at this and going. <laughs> Did they really think about the connotations that you could put into this? Did anybody really? 22-year-old's going, yeah, baby. No kidding. God damn. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's how it works. Right? <laughs> well, actually, that is kind of how it works. Well, sure. I mean, that was my entire dating career before I got married. Right. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I, that's yeah. Ser seriously, that's that actually made it through all the channels that needed to make it through. That's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so anyway, wow. I digress. That just made me think of that. <laughs> so, what else you been up to? What what's what's some of the fun stuff you've been working on lately? Oh well, I can finally talk about Vacation Simulator. That was the highlight of the year so far. That was so much fun. Cool. That's um, a that's a VR game, right? Yeah, and other than updating. The modules for preventing sexual harassment in the workplace, it's not really exciting over here. No. <laughs> you know, it's just so many jokes. So many jokes. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to let I them am, go. I am doing my part to prevent it. I'm telling you. There, oh, it's pre Oh, okay. Never mind. Pre yeah, preventing <laughs> I thought it was a, sexual well, harassment. Well, you said it was a training film about. No, never mind. It's, it's called Drive Hammered, Get Nailed. Drive Hammered, Get Nailed. <laughs> As an aside, who are you doing the mm -hmm. um, sexual harassment thing for? Got that through a referral of a friend. Cool. And we've worked our way through New York, California, Delaware. All the uh, states that, have, that, 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 that man the mandate <laughs> compliance, yeah. All the, yeah, all the states that care, yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, I, I was waiting for all the other states to come down the pike, and maybe I won't be. <laughs> no, yeah. I think you will be. I, I, think, I think they'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. And there are going to be other things along that line. I mean, I'm starting to see things for like, sadly, active shooter type stuff. Oh, also boy. now starting to make it around. Well, I know, but you know. I know. 
So Kristen's promoting her sexual harassment training uh, work by with the hashtag <laughs> Me Too. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. I don't maybe. know. Um, maybe I'm not so good at social media after all. It's, uh, uh. <laughs> anyway, so you talk about how you're doing a lot of corporate voiceover work. Mm hmm. Is getting corporate work any different than getting commercial work from your experiences? Um, most of the corporate work comes directly from production companies, I find, or the corporate entities. I don't see a lot of that from agencies. So, again, it's just making the connections. Like I got this one through a referral and a lot of my other stuff comes from production companies that I've worked through before. So it's just a matter of connecting with the right companies. Yeah. Yeah. The other nice thing about those is that at least what I found with part of why I continue to do a lot of that kind of work is compared to ad agencies, they tend to be very loyal. If they get you in there yeah. and, and they like you, you do all their stuff. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's so nice because there are so many companies that maybe they only have two or three things throughout the year. But if you have 15 of those yep. that are just waiting, you know, as soon as they have something, they send it to you. That's a lot of work if you add it all up mm -hmm. and you don't have to audition for it. It's uh, it's a nice thing to have coming in. Absolutely. See, and that's that that's the professional working actress thing that I admire so much from your career, because honestly, that should be the goal for all of us. I know so many people are like, oh, I want to do animation. I want to do animation. I want to get on a series. I want that's all really cool stuff, but there is such a specific path that you need to take to be able to go there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And what you're doing is you have built up a career as a working actress. And I don't know, for me, that was always my goal was to be a, a full-time working actor. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't care what I do. People are like, so what do you specialize in? Well, I don't know. I do commercials. I've done audiobooks. I've done uh, a lot of corporate training stuff. I've done video games. Um, I've done a little bit of animation. I've done. Uh, so I don't know. It's but I like to work. Yeah, that's what I like. So people go like, well, what, what do you like? I like to work. You're a working actor at voiceover when someone says, so what what have you done? And you're like, I can't even tell you. I just do so much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't even think of anything right now. My mind is going blank because it things change every day. And sometimes, it, and a lot of it is not high profile and that's okay. It's work that comes in. It's challenging. It's interesting. And it pays the bills. So. Absolutely. A uh, question for both of you. Because I've seen this a lot, and I've had actors say this, and I've also seen people doing workshops about it. The thing that that's counter to are all the people that say you need to be this, whether it's you need to brand yourself as this, or you need to concentrate on this one area, because otherwise you spread yourself too thin. Obviously, you would say that's crap. So is that maybe something that you've been able to do that if you were starting now, that wouldn't be the case? Or would you, and this is to both of you really, would you have followed a different path? I can't be anybody but me. And I am my brand. I'm just a little strange. I'm kind. I'm funny. And my branding just reflects that when I send out emails, when I correspond back and forth with clients. I'm a little 
just a little strange. <laughs> and that, <laughs> and that's, we love you for I it. I know. You You either love me and like to work with me because of that or you don't. And yeah. and there are people who are all about just brand yourself and, you, you know, get a tagline. I have no tagline. I have I wouldn't even begin to come up with a tagline. I'm just I'm just me. And that's it's worked for me. Would it work for people starting out now? Again, I don't know. It's such a different world now. Yeah, it is. I would hate to have to go back to zero and start. Yeah. Well, I think a big part of it, too, is when we were younger, you took everything. You took everything that came along and yeah. and anyone said, you know, can you do that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then you figured out how to how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But back then, the agents were the gatekeepers. Right. And right. that's all the work I got. It was through the agent. So if it came to me, it was decent work. It was after the online thing happened that you had to become a business person and figure out what your rates are and what you're not going to do. So um, I don't know if that's totally true. And I think that if, if you think about it, you would say that you actually you always were a business person. I mean, you may not have thought of yourself in those kinds of terms, right. but you really always were. Even if it's, okay, so I don't have to set my own rates, but you still networked. You still made sure that you kept in yeah. touch with people. You still were available. Right. Well, and it was actually easier back then because you you would do your sessions and you'd walk into the studio and you'd have a chance to talk with the producer or the agency or the mm-hmm. uh, the director of the session or whatever and right. build that that ongoing relationship. Right. right. And so in a lot of ways, it was a lot easier when it was face to face to be able yeah, to have those I kinds agree. of relationships. You know, I think I think the specialization thing that you're hearing everybody at conferences or workshops or whatever talk about. I think that's really more of a of a coast thing. The specialization is really something you have to kind of do a lot more especially in L.A., mm-hmm. um, and I guess to, to some degree in New York as well, right? The specialization comes into play there big time. See, I just still don't know that I – I just don't even know that I agree with that as a, as a path. It, it is a right path for some people. I, I, don't, I don't agree with it. But. Yeah. It's it, – you know, it, it – I remember when I lived in L.A. back in the 80s and – there were some of the really big time voiceover guys, right? One in particular, his name was Michael Stull, and he was the flagship voice of the Fox Network when it first signed on in 87. Mm-hmm. And he was this incredibly deep and dry. In fact, he really became known as the voice of California Coolers. Not that that's dating any of us at all, but uh, <laughs> I'm having one right now. See? <laughs> there you go. And I'm stuck with a Zima. Gosh darn it. Oh, I hate that. Not a Zima. Oh, um, no. But, but, you know, the thing about Michael, he was incredible. And he was, he was one of the top paid voiceover guys at the time. Right. But all he ever did was this. Right. right? You know, and, and, and while that's fine, a lot like you said, Kristen, I am who I am. So it's really a chameleon kind of thing for me. I started out doing voiceover because I could do a lot of different sounds and a lot of different styles and, and imitate a tonal quality and a cadence and, and things like that. The, mm-hmm. the hardest thing that I had to deal with when I first started doing voiceover was my regular voice. In fact, it was so hard for me to do my regular voice that I actually <laughs> had to create a character called Brian's Regular Voice. 
and I would go into I would go into my character to just to be able to deliver my regular voice. That's funny. And you know, and and here it is, thirty some odd years later, and the majority of my work is for the voice that I couldn't stand when I when I started out. It was my it's my regular voice. I still think that's a brilliant idea, though. Well, my philosophy is just if I can do it, I'll do it. If you want to see if I can do it, ask me. And but I'm not going to limit myself. Right. I'm I'm just going to do what comes naturally to me. Yeah, most of what I do is just my regular voice, but I can do characters, I can do accents, I can do young and perky, I can do warm professional, but that's just all a part of me. Yeah. And it's all right. just a section of me. And you know, if I had to have a, a marketing arm for every part I, of me that I did, that would be exhausting. But again, I'm just weird little old me and people hire me and get what they get, <laughs> basically. I think that's the key. I think that's why you've been a successful working actress all these years. No, I will say that for me, Kristen is one of the people that I will go, can she do this? I don't know. Let's just throw it over to her and find out. No, and, and I'm serious. Why not? I'm, find no, out. I'm serious. And and that doesn't mean you succeed at all. Some are like, oh. Yeah. And sometimes the answer is no. No, no she can't. You know that? No, no. Don't, sometimes don't. So you've actually said that. You've actually been like, um, yeah, no. I, 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 I can, yeah, I can no. say, you've even said, I'll send it to you if you want me to, but it's probably not going to be good. But But the fact that I can do that. And that you engender that. I mean, you're, you're not just engendering that with me. That's, there's no way. You do that with everybody you work with. The, the fact that right. other people will probably think that exact same thing, like, ah, Kristen, sure, let's throw her in this, see what happens. Yeah. And you get some of that because of that. Yeah. I, I, you got to take risks and uh, expand your repertoire. But at the end of the day, you're just, you got to be genuine and you have to be you. And if that will be your brand. That's how what I feel my brand is. Mm-hmm. It's just me. Yeah. There's nothing better than authenticity. I think we have our tagline. It's just me. See, now you have a tagline. It's, it's just, just me. me. It's just me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's, that's a terrible tagline. <laughs> I never said, it was, I never said well, it was good. I just said, we've, I think we found your tagline. So it's bad. So. Although I, I, I guess just about everybody could probably use that tagline. Huh? Yeah. It's, it's just me. <laughs> that's, that's what I kind of think of taglines. I'm like, that's yeah. not just you. That's a lot of people. So I don't know. Yeah. I've yeah. seen some really good, I've seen some really good taglines and I've seen a lot of, and I've seen some things that really stick. Brian and I were actually having this conversation the other day about somebody that I'm not going to name that. The problem was is his tagline is fantastic and it's simple and it conjures this image until you actually hear. But it's not him. But it's not him. That's exactly correct. <laughs> it's, it's not like, him. That's perfect. I'm looking for that exact thing. And what 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 is this that I got? Oh, that's sad. Yeah. That's very sad. Yeah. When you're misbranded, ouch. Yeah, well, you know it is what it is. But it's like Duncan. I've played misbranded in a video game. It's not good. I dated misbranded when I was younger. It's. Uh, <laughs> She was fun. <laughs> wow. Where did that come from? I'm sorry. That's, none of that's true. That's a big lie. It's just I I was trying to impress. I, I, bad. Do you know what the most fun is doing video games? Getting paid? Well, beyond, besides <laughs> that. Okay. Besides well, that. It was a guess. It was a, You asked a question. I, I offered an answer. I know. I know. That's not it. For me, it's seeing what I look like in the game. (laughs) 
Yeah. I am so hot in these video games. I am telling you. <laughs> so another thing that's really kind of interesting before we get off on too many tangents, but yes, having done voiceover and having children, I know that I went through this for a long time while my kids were growing up. And I know you have too, where people look at you and go, God, I, I really need, you have kids, right? Would they be able to, you know, and then, and then that starts the conversation. Mm-hmm. Touch on your kids' careers and how, oh. that's, and how that's working and where they are with all of it. Well, my older girl, Jerrica, she did some. And actually, she got a, a kind of a recurring thing in high school that has continued on till now, which is a little difficult because she's at grad school. Wow. But when she's home on the weekends, sometimes she has some work to do. But my younger daughter, Riley, who is now 16, has done phenomenally in voiceover. She started when she was about four. Oh, my. And there was a period of time when she was about eight to 10 when she had that sort of peppermint patty rasp to her voice and she had just a little bit of a speech impediment. Oh, how cute. Oh, my God. Her career was harder to manage than mine. (laughs) She was working all the time. And we have sucked that money away. And her college fund is done. We've started an IRA for her. I mean, she's doing really well. And of course, now that she's... So do you take the mommy finder fee fruit of my loins cut? I wish. I wish. (laughs) I wish. Um, How much do you love mommy account? There you go. (laughs) Well, she'll be taking care of us in our old age, I'm sure. There you go. But um, now that she's 16, she's she can still manage, you know, 10 to 12, but she doesn't quite sound like the late high school college. Yeah. She's kind of in between there. Yeah. She's in between. So she's in a bit of a lull, but she just did two spots and versions for the Alzheimer's Association union spots. And she gets checked. She gets checks every month. (laughs) Holy crap. And she did these like three years ago. Can I become one of your kids? I am telling you, I, <laughs> I every time a check kid. comes, I'm just like, <laughs> cha-ching. She's, she has done phenomenally well. So basically exploit them is what I'm saying. There you go. So do you think your <laughs> older daughter's going to keep up with it or is she moving um, on to other things? No, she's not. She's a, she's at grad school for chemistry. So she's going to do something real with her life. There you go. <laughs> and actually, my younger daughter is probably going to go into the sciences as well. She she loves this. She also does theater, but she does not want to try to make a career of it, which I think is smart. Yeah. Yeah. So my kids started doing stuff, you know, in the same kind of way. And they did stuff all the way up until about just before they turned teenagers. And then they just they, they completely lost interest. Yeah. You know? And of course, now they're in their early 20s and they're all embarrassed by it. And I'm like, why, why are you embarrassed? <laughs> it's something very cool. Well, because because my friends all look up on YouTube and find me and then they play it. And, it's, and I'm like, shut up. You know how much <laughs> money you got paid for that? All right. Yeah, no kidding. Laugh uh, all and- the way to the bank. So there was at least one game where you and all three of your kids were in. It was a Cabbage Patch game or something like that. And and that includes Maggie, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the all three kids were in it, and I was in it. <laughs> that's the one. Cabbage Patch, where's my pony? That's right. And we still we still ridicule my daughter any chance we get. My pony. <laughs> Where are you, my pony? 
<laughs> little eight-year-old. Oh my God! Yes, we just we 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 ridicule her mercilessly. I am totally looking that up on YouTube. Wow, See, Maggie was only eight on that, but you know that was actually a really good game. It was. Yeah, and the other thing was is that I got to cast the whole thing because they had asked me like, so who do you know that can do this? Well, I know some people. <laughs> so we kind of cashed in on that. So. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. yeah, there were there were a couple of games we got to do that. There were there were a couple of different games where all three of my kids and I all got cast in them, and that was kind of fun. Yeah, it was uh, kind of nice having that little ready made all ages thing. Wasn't there something else that Maggie got involved with where she came over, like maybe one of the times when I was still at Airborne and she did some singing? Um, she may have. She she did an enormous amount of stuff for a long, long time, my daughter did. And then, um, and and she just, she grew out of it and had no interest and, and to this day has no interest in picking it up. Well, and I don't, I don't know if you ran into this when they were younger and doing voiceover, this was especially when Riley was doing so much of it. We butted heads in the booth so much. It Sometimes the sessions were just painful because she just did not want to do it. You know, she'd get in the mood and wouldn't want to do that. And then she it's a job. You have to do it. Yeah. So we are our worst wranglers of our kids, I think. You know, when she would be in a session with someone else beautiful perfect she was the poster child of voiceover but with me by myself in the booth she was a she was a bull so do you think the reason for that was just simply because you were mom or do you think that she just had more respect you know maybe the gravitas of being in a studio situation with a director i think i think a little bit of that and just that you know she didn't want to do it for me if it was if there was anything about it she didn't want to do like there was one she had a a recurring e-learning where she had to sound sort of like a four-year-old and we would call it, you ready to get your baby on? <laughs> and so, <laughs> Well, maybe that's be... <laughs> why she didn't like it. Man, so you give to... her a freaking name like that. I wouldn't like well, it either. You're had, ready to get She had to, to be in the on. right mood to get her Man. baby on. And um, <laughs> if she was not in the mood, there was no point in even doing it because she would not sound the right age. And See? Ain't no baby um, in the room, mama. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that it was always just with me and not with directors. She did one game. No, it wasn't a game. It was a it was a corporate narration. And the one client was in LA and one was in Hong Kong and he didn't speak English. Oh, and my. so the guy in LA was translating for him and for Riley. And I was just on the headphones going, oh, my gosh, this could be a total train wreck. And, and, so, she, yeah, and was, so she had to wait through the translation to be able to get direction uh-huh. back. Oh, exactly. Man. See, that's tough. But she was perfect. And it took a while because it was a very sort of like intense kind of sure. voiceover. And so they, they were really particular, did a lot of directing, and she was perfect. So I know it's in her. And when she would pull the stunts with me, I was like, okay, nope. We're done. <laughs> we'll try yeah. it again later. No, when when my kids did stuff, I would make the introductions, but I would let my wife bring them to the studio. I would step out of it and step away. The only time I ever got involved would be to do the auditions. Because mm, yeah. we would audition from home studio, right? So Right. But aside from that, actually doing doing the sessions, they were always with a producer, they were always with a director or somebody in the studio. Mm-hmm. And I would step aside and and absolutely just fade into the background because I yeah, and that's and that was the thing, yeah. It's my passion, 
But if it's not theirs, I don't want to force that on them. And exactly. so by the time they were ready to move on, they were ready to move on. And I always gave her that option. You know, I never forced her to do auditions. I did force her to do jobs if she booked something. Sure. I'm like, absolutely. You're, you've you've committed. We have to get through this. But that's um, I mean, that's a great lesson. That's a great lesson in responsibility and commitment and obligation. Right. If, I, if I you, think so. I think you have to. Right. And, and, and it should pay off as she grows up uh, into mm-hmm. a into a, a working and contributing adult. So and she really she really did love doing it when she was younger. We got into the habit. She called it parroting. And so when we would do auditions or even jobs, I was in the booth with her and I would say a line and then she would repeat it. So, yeah, you'd give line direction. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yep. so she would just parrot me through the whole job or the whole audition. And then as she got older, I said, oh, and, and she could read. I said, OK, now just do one on your own. And sometimes I would mix and match. And sometimes the one she did on her own was great. But even now, today, she likes it. We'll get in the booth. It's, it's 16. She'll go, parrot. <laughs> I'll be like, OK. <laughs> so effectively, what you're saying is you deserve half of all the earnings. It's, I uh, do. See? I do. That's my I, just. I, I'm going with it. Mom is agent equals retirement fund. Just saying. Uh, there you go. I, there you go. Well, all I, about if that. If I just took a percentage of her earnings over the years, I really could have a, a retirement fund. That's it. Be your agent, man. Take 10%. You're good. I should. I should. (laughs) And there it is. It's the perfect dating line. Drive hammered, get nailed, and get your baby on. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my 20s. That was my 20s. Okay. And get your baby on. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So much fun to be able to hang out and and kick back and reminisce and, and, and catch up again. Wow. You guys and, are the uh, best. You know, and and again, it's um when we first started the show and we were thinking about who we know that we could get on and and talk with, your name came up really at the very beginning and um we've we've been waiting for the right time to bring you on because like I said, it's one thing to have casting directors and voice directors and mm-hmm. and you know, agents and top talent and all that kind of stuff on this show, but I think it's really important to be able to bring on somebody who is just, no offense, but I would consider it blue collar, right? Yeah, just a, a blue collar voiceover person who no is, taken. <laughs> is grinding it out and, and hustling every day and just getting the job done. And, and yeah. I think for all those people who are trying to break into voiceover, they're like, oh, so what's the secret? What's the secret? How do I get success? And you don't. <laughs> it's it's you, you do exactly what you've done your exactly. whole career. And it takes a while. Sometimes it takes 25 years. But yep. along the same lines, Laurie asked me earlier today, she said, so uh, you're doing a new Let's Talk voiceover? I said, yeah. Uh, who are you uh, talking to? I said, Kristen Lennox. She said, oh, she is perfect. Yeah. Oh, yay. Yay. Thanks, Lori. <laughs> she is perfect. That's why she was my faux wife. Aww. Aww. I love that. I miss you. What's for dinner tonight? <laughs> oh, I don't cook. You need to cook. See, there you go. That's a, That was why we had to We had to break up eventually. So I know, because I couldn't cook. That and our spouses. But other than that, well, you know. Well, that a... too, yeah. And the children. Yeah, people. and the children, yeah. yeah, probably that too. And then, you know, I lived in one part of the country and you live somewhere else. And yeah. We just drifted so, apart. <laughs> oh, excuses, excuses, you two. See? Why couldn't we just have made it work? Damn it. 
You talk to your agent, I'll talk to mine. We'll make it happen. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Well, listen, it's been a great time chatting with you, and we will look forward to the next time we get a chance to do this, or at least grab a session together or do something fun like that. In the meantime, we're going to wrap this one up. Randall. BT. Kristen. Brian. I miss <laughs> I miss those words. I really do. <laughs> Until next time. Thanks. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you. So now you know more about one of our longtime partners in crime, Kristen Lennox. You can find Kristen at KristenLennox.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-L-E-N-N-O-X.com. That's two I's, two X's, one awesome working actress. Let's Talk VoiceOver is hosted by Randy Ryan, owner of Hamsterball Studios, delivering the world's best talent virtually anywhere. And me, Brian Talbot, actor and all-around creative guy. If you have comments, questions, ideas for other show topics that you'd be interested in hearing, or you just want to let us know what you think, you can reach us by sending an email to bt at letstalkvoiceover.com or go to our website at www.letstalkvoiceover.com. That's letstalkvoiceover.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk VoiceOver. We'll talk again real soon.